Hello, everyone. Hello. It's Kawaii Cast. And we're recording in person. Yeah, it's for the been, first time in a while. It's been a while since we've done this. <laughs> yeah, so the audio should be pretty consistent this time around. Yeah. So I don't know what it's been sounding like in previous episodes, but. Yeah. So hopefully not D- too bad. Different. Hopefully not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> But let's go ahead and get into our first segment, anime news. Anime news. I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, if you've been watching the new anime season, uh, Near Automata is is coming out. Yeah. Uh, they are delaying episodes four and beyond due to COVID. Um, Sounds about right. They they made an announcement that they will they will make. Another announcement as to when when it'll start airing again mm-hmm. in the near future, but for now, enjoy episodes one through three. Okay, I haven't watched episodes one through three yet. So. Nor have I. So, but if you are, there you go. Do you know which service it's streaming on? Uh, I believe I saw it on Crunchyroll, but I could be mistaken. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's that's all I got. Yeah, I didn't really prepare. So. Then, then again, you know, we've—it's only been like two days since we last recorded. Yeah, but we didn't have anime news for that episode either. No, we did so. not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hopefully, you guys got your votes in for the Crunchyroll Awards. Yeah. Speaking specifically to Tyler, who still hasn't voted for best OP or best ED or best song. Nope. Because <laughs> he said he was gonna go re- watch those. Re- and then he didn't. Realistically, I probably won't. Yeah. Ideally, I want to. Yeah, you should. So, yeah. With that, we could go ahead and get straight into the episode. Yeah. Something that's fairly recent on our mind. We're not talking about the new season yet, because I don't think either of us have watched everything. Or at least not everything we wanted to watch this season yet. I've watched a few things. I've watched a few things. Yeah, not everything. Yeah. And instead, we went and watched something else, because your mom got me a gift card to the movies. Yep. And there was an anime movie that recently came out. Sure it was. And what's that movie? Uh, that time I got reincarnated as a slime. Scarlet Bond. Scarlet Bond. Is it Scarlet Bond or Crimson Bond? It's Scarlet I believe it's Scarlet. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, Scarlet Bond. (laughs) (laughs) That's so many words, I can't remember all of them. I know. It's like it's some sort of, like light novel title or something (laughs) fucking isekai anime fuck (laughs) so anyway let's go ahead and get into what this movie is about so immediately full transparency for you guys if you are not completely caught up on the anime as of the time of this recording you're not gonna follow along with this movie very well yeah it makes a lot of references to the last season and even though this movie is technically non-canonical, it fits itself right in to following up the immediate last season. Yeah. So I feel like this series is trying to kind of stand as a canonical sequel to the last season without being so intrusive that you have to watch it. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard one way or another whether or not like the the creator has said and whether or not it will be an canonical so for now we'll we'll say it's not yeah this isn't like the persona q series where it's like it's canon 
But nobody remembers it happened. <laughs> it's a mystery. Everybody's memories magically got erased by the end of the game, so... That's, that's what happens. It canonically took place between these two days, and due to timey-wimey bullshit, it only took like an hour, and everybody's memories are gone. God, what the fuck? Yeah, that's literally how they explain the canon in the Persona Q games. And the dancing games. The dancing games took place in their dreams. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> Was it like one collective dream between all of the characters? Yeah, so you, or so you know like... how like when you sleep in Persona 5 and you end up in the Velvet Room? Yes. It's kind of like that, except for the whole group gets pulled into the Velvet Room. Okay. Yeah. So that's how they explain it. <laughs> Works for me, I guess. And then their memories are erased, so they don't remember it. Because canonically, none of the supporting cast know about the Velvet Room until the end. Yeah. So, with that, this kind of has similar vibes, but I actually do think that they are going to fit this in as technically canon. Where it's like, once the next season starts, it's like, this movie could fit between the two seasons pretty snugly. Without them having to bring it back or mention it again. Yeah. They're just kind of like, yeah, those events are behind us. Except there are a few key characters from the movie that are going to be playing a big role in the upcoming seasons. So so actually, here's, here's where the timeline doesn't quite fit. Because I'm ahead because of light novels. Yeah. Um, and from where it leaves off in the last season to the movie... You know, they keep mentioning, like, oh, you know, all this happened in, like, 10 days. You know, all this happened, like, 14 days or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you've read the light novels, it's something like 14 days for the next arc to go on. Like, like that's kind of the, the timeline. So, yeah. you know, and, and Diablo plays a pretty big role in that. So if he was here during the movie... He couldn't really be there to do what he was supposed to do. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I will have to reread to make sure, but I think it's something like that. And I do know that there is a manga version of this movie. So perhaps, like, this is following more of the manga timeline, because I know there's a manga adaptation of the series. Yeah. And I think this movie is canonically in the manga. Okay. So, yeah, it's kind of weird, because it feels like it could snugly fit in the canon, but then there's some continuity errors. Yeah. So we won't know until the next season comes out, for it's, sure. <laughs> right. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Still love slime. But just know, like I said, if you're not caught up with the anime season, there's a lot of information you're not going to understand. Like things that literally just happened in the last season mm-hmm. so go get caught up if you want to go see this movie and i also think it's going to be pretty safe to skip this movie if you're not interested in watching it yeah with that said for those of you who are caught up on slime the ultimate question then becomes would we recommend this movie even if you don't have to see it would we recommend going to see it and that's let's talk about that let's stretch that out for <laughs> at least 30 minutes stretch that out a little so, uh, that's kind of difficult to say, to be honest. Like, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I mean, you're the animation expert here. Mm-hmm. 
to me it seemed like the the animation was like really all over the place. Like, yeah. like there was at some points where it seemed like really good, and then there were other points where it seemed like it should have been a lot better than it was. It wasn't movie budget, that's for sure. Yeah. This felt like OVA animation, if that makes sense, where it's like, there's definitely moments where you could see where the budget came from, or where the budget was put into. But for the most part, it just kind of feels like they were rushing through it. Mm-hmm. So it, it feels like they had the same budget that they did for the series, but kind of cherry-picked where to use it, if that makes sense. Okay. So, yeah, but I completely agree with you. It's kind of all over the place. And I do want to get into that a little bit more, because there was one scene in particular where we were watching it, and I'm like, there's the budget shot right there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's what all this money went into. There's the rotoscoping. There's the special effects. There's the attention to details, you know? What was the animation studio that did this? Um, Do we know? Let me double check real quick. Because I'm actually on the Wikipedia page right now. Oh, there it is. Animation Studios 8-Bit. 8-Bit. Yeah, which is not a studio I'm super familiar with. Okay. Even, I mean, it's distributed by Bandai Namco, which Bandai is mostly known for making games and toys. And then the art was done by uh, Studio Naya, which is another one I'm just not super familiar with, honestly. (laughs) I think that's why it's kind of not easy to find the answer to this. I think it was kind of spread out among different kinds of studios and groups as opposed to being like one studio it's not like studio mappa that also had help from cloverworks or a1 pictures or whatever that like outsourced a little bit to other studios or even lesser known studios this is just a bunch of different teams working together on this would be my assumption okay but as far as like an actual answer i actually have no idea Alright. I was just curious. Yeah. But, yeah. So, I do agree with you, though. I think the animation was kind of everywhere here, but there was one scene in particular that was, like, the budget shot of the movie. (laughs) I don't think it's something that bothers me too much, though, because this is just kind of, like, a random mid-anime film instead of it being, like... It, it's not an actual movie. It just feels like an extended OVA. Yeah, and and I guess that's why I'm not upset about it either, because if it was a full-blown movie, I'd be like, yo, what the fuck is up with this? Yeah. So, yeah. I feel like if you want, if the question is, should I go see this in theaters? Probably not. No. <laughs> like, I... No, we... I, I enjoyed it, but I, I don't think it was the full theater experience. Yeah, it didn't really have anything that makes you go, wow, I'm so glad I saw this on the big screen. You could watch this on your TV at home and honestly get the exact same experience that we had in the theater. Unless your TV is really crappy. (laughs) You're watching on one of those old box TVs from the early 2000s. Yeah, if you're the type of person that has to watch anime on your cell phone and you have the opportunity to go see this in theaters... That might be a step up, but aside from that, if you can watch it on a TV in like your own little entertainment area, 
by all means, that's probably the best way to enjoy this movie. Yeah. And then you get the comfort of your own home because goddamn the movie theater we were at was really cold. And now I know why they sell blankets in the lobby area. Yes, yes. 100% remind me to bring a blanket next time we go <laughs> see a movie. Because my toes were icicles. I was so cold the entire time we were in there. Like, my hands were freezing. And it would have been much more pleasant to watch it from my own room. I do not know when this movie will be streamed. But I imagine Crunchyroll will stream it at some point. Yeah. I can't... I get the badge that they're just like, yes, one of our, like, best isekai series we've ever released, and we're not releasing the movie. <laughs> right. But with that, now that we kind of got, like, a little bit of our soapbox, like, no, this isn't a movie experience spiel out, uh, let's talk about what this movie is actually about. Uh, so, it follows the story of an ogre. Mm-hmm. That is from the same clan as all of the the ogres. That, all of the good boys and girls. All of the good boys and girls <laughs> that join Rimuru. Yeah. So, like, Benny Maru and all the people that, like, look up to him as, like, the young master. Yes. Um, so, so it follows him. Uh, it kind of starts off in a battle, and you get a little bit of exposition later. But you find out that before the events of Slime, he had actually left the clan to go become a mercenary and earn money, you know, for the clan. And... And that he was particularly cl close to the group that we're already familiar with. Yes. That they consider him to be an actual older brother. They even call him, like, brother. Yeah. Like, even, like, Benny Maru is just like, yes, this is my big brother. Yep. Even though Benny Maru doesn't have an older brother. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Although, <laughs> plus, if you look the at their character that, designs... Plus the fact that they look exactly alike yeah. doesn't hurt. They have the same style horns. They have very similar eyes. They have the same color hair. Like, their character designs are the epitome of, like, yes, these two characters are related. Yeah. But, nope, they are not blood related. They're just both very pretty. Yeah. So... <laughs> so, so, it follows him and and it does like i said it starts off with him fighting some people which we then find out were clayman's goons hunting him down because as a mercenary he he uh went awol <laughs> to i can't remember go go back to help the clan the ogre clan or something something like that like that uh, I, no he heard that the village was in danger yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he went to go back to help his village, and Clayman, well, he's an asshole. Anyone who has seen up to, you Season know, two. Season two knows this, and sent his goons to, you know, kill the betrayers. Yeah. So, after he is almost, like, lying there bleeding to death with all of his comrades, he is picked up by uh, the representatives of the kingdom in the nearby area who then take him in and try to save all of them unfortunately they don't have the medical means to save them and the princess of this kingdom decides to use her magic to save the kind of the leader of the group i think she's the queen yeah the queen so she saves the leader of the group by using the contract of the name, which is something that you should be familiar with if you're caught up on slime at this point. 
where if you give somebody a name, then you give them some of your own magical power, and it not only, like, upgrades all of their own magic and makes them stronger and helps them evolve, but it can also save their life. Yeah. So she gives him the name Hiro, and he becomes Pretty Boy. <laughs> just like Benny Maru. Yeah, just like Benny Maru and the rest of the squad. That's right. So, and then it turns out that this queen is using a magic tiara that was given to her by a goddess. However, every time she uses magic from this tiara, it poisons her body, and she's pretty close to succumbing to the poison. However, she has to use the magic to save her kingdom from being poisoned from the mines that they basically found all of their, like, original treasure from. The thing that, like, made them a kingdom in the first place. Yeah. And so Hiro, in an attempt to save the queen, reaches out to Tempest to see if they can cultivate in the forest of Juro. Or Juro? Jura. Jura. Yeah. Something like that. He goes to basically make a plea deal with, like, the founders of Tempest. He really hopes that he can, like, win over the dragon. Of Eldora and the legendary slime that's using his powers and has made a deal with him and all of this kingdom of monsters and he's like since he is a monster himself he's the best person to go forth and try to save his queen and this kingdom that he owes his life to for saving him <laughs> which which is funny because when he's like talking with the ambassadors of uh whatever this place is I for, yeah i forget the name of the kingdom mm-hmm. you know one of them makes makes a line about like oh you don't want to go there and you know chat with you know like they're a snake or whatever like i can't remember his exact line you don't want to rustle a bush and lure out a snake yeah exactly yeah. to which heroes you know responds like good because i don't want to see a snake i want to see a dragon fuck yeah. you <laughs> you know <laughs> Yeah, Hiro really comes across as one of those, like, loyal-to-a-fault characters. Uh, We see, like, some flashbacks of his childhood with the other ogre characters that we're already familiar with, that he was basically an older brother to them, and it was actually really difficult for him to leave the village in the first place. But he did it knowing that he would be doing so in their best interest. And when the village was destroyed, which is actually something we see in the first season when Rimuru first meets the ogres in the first place, then he's devastated. He just assumes everybody's dead, and he swears vengeance, which lasts a whole, like, ten minutes of the movie. (laughs) Right. So, (laughs) that was really my biggest problem with this film, is that Hiro was established to be this really, like, headstrong, loyal character, but because he missed out on so much of the evolution and growth of the other characters throughout the main series... When he arrives and they tell him, like, hey, no, it's fine, like, it's a long story, but trust us, we're friends now, his only option is just to accept it. Yeah. Like, he doesn't get to have, like, that thought in the back of his mind. Like, he's spent, like, a couple years now, like, really upset about this. And then he's just like, I guess I have no choice but to be okay with it, you know? (laughs) So yeah, the whole revenge plot that he has against the orcs is kind of just swept away because his friends from his village are just like, no, the orcs are cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it does It does bring like a lot of 
a lot of the characters, you know, um, personalities forth as well. Like, yeah. Like when he shows up, you know, Hero shows up and starts fighting Geld, you know, he realizes Geld being, you know, the the honorable dude that he is, like, you know what? Fine, fucking kill me. Yeah. <laughs> I destroyed your village. You earned this. Yeah. You know? Like, I think that's something I would have preferred, honestly, is I kind of wish Hiro would have, like, not found out that the village was destroyed. I think, like, if he had heard rumors that the village was destroyed instead, and he never got the chance to see it, like, he just heard it through the grapevines, and he chose to not go visit it, or he had heard that his comrades were dead or whatever. Yeah. And then he shows up in Tempest, and they explain the situation. Like, hey, no, our village was destroyed. We're all okay, though. We've made peace with what happened. We're just glad that you weren't there to see how like bad it was. And then Geld came forth and said, I feel like I've made peace with these other ogres, but I didn't know you were a part of this clan. I want to formally apologize to you about what happened. As opposed to the whole thing of him just being like, I swear revenge. I guess I don't need to anymore. I, I, I guess we're cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I agree. Like, if he had heard rumors instead of, like, actually finding out that his ogre village was destroyed by orcs, mm-hmm. uh, that would give him a little bit more of a reason to just kind of let it drop. Yeah. I think it also would have been, like, his way of being like, I don't have a home. I don't want to see it. Like, I... And it would have given him peace of mind for Geld to approach it and be like, listen, your your ogre siblings, they're too kind to you to tell you the truth, but here's the truth. My men, me and my men, we were the ones who destroyed your village. Yeah. And there is nothing I could do to ever apologize for that. And even if they just, like, duked it out like men after that, like... Right? That would have given some closure to Hiro, in my opinion. Yeah. So, as opposed to, like, this whole revenge plot that went nowhere. <laughs> so. <laughs> I know. It really does. It kind of, the beginning, you know, ten episode, ten minutes of the movie really leads up into this whole thing of, like, oh, this, this is gonna be a movie about revenge and, and closure, and, and then it just kind of goes off somewhere else. Yeah. Like, I really, really wish we could, would have had more of that closure between Geld and Hiro. Yeah. Aside from that, I really like Hiro as a character in this movie. I like the fact that he feels like he fits in right with the ogres that we've already come to know and love. I love his motivation for being so dedicated to the kingdom that he's a part of and the queen who gave him a name. I love the whole story about why the queen is cursed in the first place. And I love that in the end, it turns out that Diablo was tied to this whole fucking thing. <laughs> he wasn't even tied, to be honest. He just had the right connection. Yeah. He was like, yeah, I'll deal with it. Like, Diablo was easily one of the best parts of this movie. So one of my favorite moments is him coming to make a report to Rimuru about, like, like an update about the current job that he's a part of. And Rimuru's like, you know we could communicate telepathically. You don't have to come all the way back to Tempest just to report. And he's like... (laughs) Diablo being Diablo. Just like, oh, it's just so easy for me to come back (laughs) that I just had to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Diablo's great. Yeah. 
<laughs> he's such a lapdog, is what it is. <laughs> He is, and it's it's just it's so hilarious too because he's honestly probably one of the strongest characters. Oh, undeniable in the fucking series. <laughs> like, like even you know if you've watched season two, even like the the demon lord Gee, mm-hmm. like like he was a primal demon before he became a demon lord as well. Mm-hmm. So like he's I think known as the strongest yeah you know but like they have a history because they're both demons that come from the demon realm and they're both primal demons and so it's like okay yeah you're you're both already powerful yeah yeah it's just it's so crazy diablo is one of those characters when they first introduced him i think a lot of people were kind of like what the fuck is up with this guy why is he so interested in tempest why is he so interested in rimuru and I, I think a lot of people have this, like, idea in the back of their head that Diablo can't be trusted. But I kind of hope that none of that is true, because in my opinion, Diablo is that really needy cat that you fed one time and is all like, oh, shit, this person has the good food. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it kind of explains it in the light novels, because in the light novels in the demon realm, basically, you know, you're... And it touches on it in the anime, too, where, like, basically the older you are as a demon, you know, the more powerful you are. So the the primals are, like, the oldest among the oldest. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can fight, and if you're defeated, you you don't die. You just kind of, like, get reborn, but you're you're now weak. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's kind of a chaotic realm where you just have to fight sur- for survival until you, you know, get to be that strong yeah you know so it's like they they've been around for a long time they're very powerful but they don't really have much incentive for you know not dying because they're just gonna come back yeah you know and and so it explains it as like these really powerful demons just kind of do whatever they want yeah (laughs) for entertainment you know like they don't really give a shit it's just like yeah this sounds like fun today let's do it yeah and he does brag about how he has become stronger since he's become part of tempest because he also made the contract of the name with rimaru which is why he's now diablo and he takes so much pride in being diablo but it also feels like it's less that he's become more powerful because of the name and more just he's like are you jealous are you he's like I've received a name. Somebody Aren't you jealous? has given me head pats, and I know you want head pats. <laughs> Somebody loves me enough to name me. <laughs> like he really is the lapdog of the series in the best possible way. Like he's smug and he's full of himself, and he's the worst. And I love him because genuinely, he just wants Rimuru's attention all the time and a lot of the characters are like that which gives him a good rivalry with Xion as well (laughs) (laughs) especially with Xion constantly referring to him as secretary number two (laughs) right I'm I'm executive secretary (laughs) (laughs) and it's also why he constantly feels the need to one up Xion every chance he gets it's it's a meaningless title but they give it to people (laughs) to make them feel better about themselves (laughs) 
I love his personality because he's like that one asshole in every anime that everybody's just like, why does anybody like this guy? He's such a dick. And then I'm just like, smug boys, listen. <laughs> there is something about smug boys and the fact that he's a puppy dog on top of it. He's like, ah, oh, yes, I'm clearly the superior being in this town. But also, Lord Rimuru, I just really want attention right now. <laughs> yeah. He's so needy. It's, it's, I love him. It's so great. I do love him. He's such a good character. He's the perfect balance of good boy and smug boy. And I just... And he plays such a huge part in this movie that really elevated his character a lot from where we last saw him in season two. So I really thought that the best character going into this would be my favorite boy, Benny Maru. But there was a lot of moments where I was just like, Benny, you gotta step up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, the, Benny's major role in this series is just to, one, remind us of how strong Hiro is. Where he's just like, oh, well, as powerful as I am, Hiro always won every single fight we got into. And then he's like, oh, if... if Hero wants our help, then I want to help him because he's my big brother. Like, that's kind of Benny's mo- Benny's entire role in this show. Mm-hmm. It was just to constantly remind us that he loves his big brother and that he wants everybody to help his big brother and that his big brother is always the most trustworthy guy and that he's the strongest guy and all this. It's like, it's just, it's him bragging constantly. And if you watch season two of That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, you know Benny Maru's a goddamn boss, right? Oh yeah, 100%. There was literally one point where they're just like, this is the most indestructible creature we could possibly bring out. And Benny Maru's just like, draw a sword, sheath sword, it's dead. And that wasn't even him trying. He's he's just out there like, at least make it a challenge for me. (laughs) He's just like, that thing? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's gone. Yeah. Little tick on the wall, all right? Pull those out before it becomes a problem. (laughs) Right. And then you have, like, the one fight that he got into where he's just like, See, this is a challenge because I was told not to kill you. But if I don't if I do not do my best, you're going to kill me. And if I do do my best, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and that's the Benny Maru we've got to know at this point. <laughs> and the guy he said that to is like, Yes, I 100% agree. Yeah. Please don't do your best and kill me. <laughs> yeah, he's like, we're at a stalemate because you holding back is death for you and you doing your best is death for me. <laughs> and there is no in-between. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Benny Maru has basically proven himself to be the most terrifying pretty boy in anime. Next to Rimuru, of course. Naturally. <laughs> And, like, I think one of my favorite absolute Benny Maru is too strong for anybody to want to compete with moments was actually in one of the OVAs with the sumo wrestling contest. <laughs> that one was great. Where, like, the men have already moved over to the women's side to help judge, and Rimuru's like, is the men's sumo wrestling already over? And so he's like, <laughs> so well, Benny like, Maru well, is yeah, part of it. And... He's over there, so, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Benny Maru enlisted, so nobody wanted to compete. <laughs> Boy's gonna break us. Right? <laughs> look, look. They could have at least put on a show for the girls, okay? <laughs> I think 
I think the girls would have liked seeing, you know, Benny Maru break men like a twig. Break men like a twig for one. <laughs> but seeing Benny Maru Soei, uh me, whoever else decided to compete yeah. in in those uh what are they called? The Moa Mowashi belts. Yeah. <laughs> To be fair, though, I don't know if Benny could hold back. It's not his strong suit. <laughs> no, it's not. And I think that could have led to a lot of problems. They're just like, we're just going to parade him around in the belt, all right? <laughs> Call it a day. <laughs> make, a, make a parade out of it, okay? Every other event is in Tempest <laughs> becomes a national holiday. Why not this? <laughs> so, yeah. I do think that that whole idea that Benny can't hold back is another key element of this movie, though, particularly because, without spoiling too much, one of the big climactic moments is a sword fight between Hiro and Benny Maru. And the thing is, Benny Maru doesn't want to kill his brother. He loves his brother. He wants him to overcome whatever it is that's causing him to fight him. And he can't really fight at his strength when he's fighting somebody he doesn't want to hurt. And holding back is not his thing. Yeah. He can't just be like, okay, I'll only use 80% of my power. It's 0% or 100%. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else for him. And I also want to believe that that's kind of the reason why he's always lost against Hiro in every single situation, too. Like, every fight that they've ever had, it's because Benny Maru genuinely can't fight him on even ground. Because either he's going to lose because he held back too much, or he's going to win because he's giving it his all. Mm -hmm. And if he wins, it's dangerous. <laughs> Leading to one of my favorite lines in the movie where he's like, please don't die. <laughs> <laughs> right? He's like, <laughs> at that point, he's like, okay, fine. I can't hold back. Please don't die. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that that's kind of ingrained in his character in this movie. And let's move on to the two basically new characters. I mean, we've talked a lot about Hero already, but I think the thing is, I was really worried that Hero was just going to be Benny Maru 2. Because we see a lot of characters that are just immediately willing to throw their devotion to whoever gave them a name without a whole lot of sustenance as to why. With the ogres, we know why because they lost their home and they lost everything that they cared about and they're all they had left. So to have somebody that basically treated them as family and let them into the kingdom of Tempest was a really big deal for them. And for Hiro, it's very similarly with the queen but in this case it feels a lot deeper than that because for him not only did he lose his entire village but he failed to protect the people that were left in his charge like they all died because of him they they died because he he wasn't strong enough to protect them plus uh the queen saved his life so he has more of a reason to be loyal to her than the ogres do to be loyal to Rimuru. Yeah. I, I don't know if more is necessarily the right term, but I think it's also just completely different. For him, it's more than just his life has been saved and now he has a home. It's also the fact that here's somebody he now cares about the same way he cared about his comrades. 
and he can't fail again. Like, he's failed too many times in the past. He's lost his family over and over and over and over again, and now it's like, if he fails one more time, it's just gonna break him. He would rather die than waste this opportunity to protect the person he cares about the most. Yeah. And the problem is she feels the same way. She feels like if he dies, then her using her magic to give him a second chance will have been wasted. So they're both kind of stuck in the stalemate of neither of them can let the other one die. And that brings into the big conflict of the series where both of them are basically ready to accept their own fate, but not willing to accept the fact that the other one is willing to give up their life for them. And it's this really interesting, like, it seems pretty cliche on the surface, but looking deeper into it, it's a very, very good bond and a good relationship. And actually one of the deeper relationships of this show. Yeah. Because ultimately, the conflicts of slime are never really that complicated. It's, bad thing is happening, everybody's terrified, all of this shit's going down, Rimuru shows up and uses Beelzebub. <laughs> Good old Beelzebub. Yeah. <laughs> Rimuru eats whatever's causing the problem and the world is saved. It's the, the same song and dance every single time. No, it's... it's uh, It's kind of funny, too, that you mention that, because I don't know if they touched on it in the anime but in um in the light novel there's at one point it's it's when um rimaru fights um what's her name from the church for the second time do you remember her name no <laughs> uh oh god i can't remember her. oh uh Hinata? Yeah, Hinata. It's when he fights her for the second time. Like, she uses... I don't remember if it's in the anime, is it? Not yet. He's only fought her once. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, no spoilers. I won't won't ruin it for you guys. (laughs) I I thought it happened already. No, he's only fought her once, and he only survived because he used a decoy. Yeah. And faked his death. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, so we I haven't... Won't, I won't spoil that fight for you. It's so good. Yeah, we haven't seen the... Re- like, the second the, fight. The rematch? Yeah. So far in the show, the most complicated dilemma that Rimuru's had to face was the death of most of his citizens, along with the death of Shion. Something that couldn't just be fixed by him eating. And that was what forced him to go into... It kind of was fixed by him eating, actually. Because the way that he fixed it is he created that, that magical dome over Tempest, mm-hmm. which which kept the, the magicules or whatever and the, the, the people's souls and life forces from just dissipating out into the atmosphere. Yeah. And then he kind of just ate everything up put it in a blender and then sorted out the pieces of the souls to the individual people and put them back in. But the only way he could do that was by becoming a demon lord. Yeah. So it wasn't as simple as him just eating everything. (laughs) He had to completely upgrade what his abilities were. Yeah. And so he was forced to kill a lot of people in order to become a demon lord so he can make his wish come true. You know, it's it's like 
making the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. And it led to one of the most brutal slaughters I've ever seen in anime, completely unironically. Like, Rimuru just murdering people from the sky was genuinely one of the most intense things I've ever seen. And it also led to some of the coolest, like, fighting sequences from all of the major characters in Tempest as well. So that was the most complicated, like, problem that Rimuru and Tempest have had to solve so far. But then that leads to this movie where, again, the actual, like, the lake is poisoned and the queen is dying of a cursed tiara. All of this kind of just feels like, yeah, Rimuru will figure it out. Like, he can analyze what's, po what's poisoning her, how to cure the poison, what's poisoning the lake, how to remove those toxins. He can purify the lake. He can do all that without having to use a cursed tiara. Yeah, I, I was, you know, leading into that, I was 100% expecting Rimuru to just show up and be like, oh yeah, here, you're healed, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and that, because you just kind of expect that, but, you know, since, since the tiara is special magical, yeah, he couldn't. So yeah, but he basically did. Bas basically He's did. He's like, if but... I take a, if I take away the reason why she's using the tiara, then everything will get back to normal, and it technically worked. He technically solved all of the kingdom's problems just by snapping his fingers and doing what he does. But what actually makes this show interesting isn't Rimuru solving the problems; it's the relationships that develop between the characters, and more of those internal struggles and. How when the problems disappear, they have the chance to be honest with themselves and truly express their feelings. And that is extremely prevalent between the queen and hero. As like I said, both of them are willing to sacrifice themselves for the other, but neither of them are willing to let the other one sacrifice themselves. Yeah. And that led to one of the best, like... So it, just, it just leads to the two fighting over the, you know, metaphorical dagger to seppuku themselves. Yeah, it's that meme of, like, somebody, like, pointing a gun and then the person diving in front of them and then the other person wrapping themselves around and then the other person wrapping themselves around <laughs> so they're both all released in front of the other one. Yeah. Like, they both want to take the bullet for the other one, but they won't allow it. And it's genuinely one of the best relationships in this show, honestly. We've had a lot of really good relationships, particularly with couples. But for the most part, these are all characters that are just like, Oh, we're always gonna serve Rimuru-sama because Rimuru-sama's so great, he does so much. But in the end, like, Hiro is grateful to Rimuru and he's grateful to his, like, ogre brethren. But at the same time, he's just like, I'm only loyal to one person. And I'm going to stick with her no matter what. And it does lead to him being extremely naive as well, which leads to the major conflict of the show, which is something, again, Rimuru can't solve just by eating. Because it was eating that caused the problem in the first place. <laughs> yes, uh, let, let this be a lesson if... You know, someone offers you a strange orb and says it'll solve all your problems. You just need to eat it. Don't eat it. Yeah, don't eat it. <laughs> so I don't really want to spoil yeah, too much. I feel, I feel like eating is a very uh, prevalent thing in anime. You know, everything from like, 
my hero Akka to slime to, <laughs> you true. know? It's true. To uh, Chainsaw Man. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't want to spoil too much of this movie for you guys because most of the bulk of this movie that is interesting is in the main conflict, which stems from Hiro eating something he's not supposed to eat. And his naivety to not take common sense into account when it comes to saving the queen. Look, I... So so here's the thing about that, though, is like... Us as outside viewers 100% see that, like, leading up to that as... Okay, this is pretty fucking sus, don't do it. Yeah. You know... But I'm sure in his mind, he was desperate, so... Well, not just that, but it was also somebody he was supposedly on good terms with. Yeah, but it's like that that desperation tends to cause people to leave common sense behind. Well, that's what I mean. He's become naive because of his determination towards the queen. He's strong. He's not smart. (laughs) Yeah. He's pretty. Just... Just like a good himbo should be. (laughs) So, I do love Hiro, though, as a character. He has his similarities to Benny Maru without just being Benny Maru Part 2 Electric Boogaloo, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I think that makes him a valid character, and he's so great. And I will definitely be buying a figure for him because... I want the little brothers to be together. Right. On my shelf. Forever. I know. I I still need to get a Benny Maru figure. And there's a few of the slime characters I need to get figures of. Yeah. So, they make me happy, though. I I love all the characters in the show. And really, the characters are the driving force of the show. Because, like I said, it sure as hell isn't the conflicts. Yeah. (laughs) The conflicts are resolved usually pretty easily. I do appreciate that, like, Rimuru just spitting out potions doesn't really work in this movie. Yeah. So it does add a little bit of conflict, but only in the moments that are really, really sad. And then they get Duos Ex Machina anyway, so it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So while we're on the subject of characters, um, can I just mention... It was a little... Um... Right word for it. It just kind of felt out of place, cause, cause like, it seemed like they were trying to bring in so many characters that just kind of, you know, didn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like when they're all having tea or whatever, and Milam shows up for no reason. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> she I, was I, there for I'm the sorry. service. I, I, I love you, Milam, but you really didn't need to be there. She, yeah, Milam didn't need to be in this movie. Same, same with like, yo, know, when when Rimuru's in the council room with the queen. I think her name's Toa. Yeah. Something like that. All of a sudden, like uh, the dryad and uh, the little fairy, the little fairy demon lord, show up like. You guys honestly didn't need to be there. Yeah, a lot of it was a bit fan service Which is fine. It just, it felt a little weird. Yeah, they kind of had cameo appearances. Yeah. So, Millum really didn't need to be there at all. She just kind of created, like, a gag for the end of the movie. Yeah. Which is fine. Uh, you could argue that Veladora didn't really need to be in the movie more than just him being like, 
hey, I'm Veladora, and Hero being like, really? Hey. <laughs> this is Veladora. <laughs> Yo, what up? <laughs> like, I Can I say one thing I did appreciate, though, is that Veladora was reading uh, Cells at Work. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> like you can actually see on the cover, it's definitely sells at work. Yeah. So, yeah, I greatly appreciate the little cameo appearances of real anime and manga that you could spot. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think Veladora really only needed to be in that scene. And the scene where Rimuru is just like, By the way, don't let Tempest get half-murdered again while I'm gone, please. <laughs> Rimuru does that. Whenever he <laughs> leaves Tempest, he's just like, Hey, uh, Veldora, you're in charge. Don't fuck it up. He's like, Veldora, you have literally been the source of people not messing with the forest for, like, how long now? Like, over a hundred years at least? Could you just watch the town for, like, ten minutes, please? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 300 years. I think that was the timeline. Yeah. 300 years ago... Or something. Yeah, Velidora was and, literally and yeah. the reason nobody went into the monster forest. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, Rimuru really should just say, hey, like, buddy, just, just sit there and read manga. Yeah, You're good. Just, just use that rep a little bit, alright? <laughs> like, <laughs> use, use your rep, don't flex. Yeah, I think probably one thing I really appreciate from this movie, though, was... Us kind of seeing the outsider perspective of what everybody thinks of the forest and Veldora and Rimuru. Yeah. As them kind of painting these, like, as monster gods and just like, no, 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 do not go into the forest. <laughs> I know you grew up there as a child, but trust me, it's not the same forest that you grew up in. It's a fucking shit show right now. Just stay here where look, it's safe. Look, you're a monster, so, like, you're comfortable with the forest, but we're not monsters. Yeah. <laughs> So if we go in there, that dragon will fucking kill us. <laughs> like, this is the first time really in the series as a whole that we've kind of seen the humans being like, listen, that, just fucking leave the forest alone, alright? <laughs> We're not getting involved in that shit. And it gives us a good appreciation for just kind of the, like complete clash for when Hiro does arrive in Tempest and they're all just like, oh, we're just gonna drink tea and hang out by the hot springs and by the way, this is Veldora. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me introduce you to my dragon friend. He's that dude bro hanging out in the corner. <laughs> Every now and again you have to throw him a meat bun and then smack him upside the head and make sure he's sitting up while he chews so he doesn't choke. Veldora. Pinnacle of protection. Yeah. Veldora, literally the thing you imagine when you say the word himbo. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I mean, honestly, like, my, my go-to himbo is, uh... Gallo? Gallo. It's always like, Gallo. That's, that's that he, peak himbo right there. I think if you look up the word himbo online, Gallo will show up. <laughs> Probably. Like. But like, yeah, Veldora's. Veldora. <laughs> very, very similar. Yeah. He's also up there in peak himbo-ness. Yeah, absolutely. Like, almost all of the boys are, to be fair. Uh, Zoe's a little bit more uh, B-shonen, I think, yeah. but... 
Mo most of them are pretty himbo-esque. <laughs> Except Gobta. Except Gobta. And Ranga. And Ranga. Out of Ranga kind of is. Ranga's good boy. Ra he doesn't count. Yeah, Ranga has his himbo moments. But if you guys are curious, because like I said, I don't want to spoil this movie, but we are kind of reaching the end of the time of this podcast. Uh, if you guys want to know what the ultimate money shot of this movie was, then I was just like, wow, that's it. That's the whole animation budget. It was a minecart scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That scene was gorgeous and fantastic and beautifully animated. And why didn't they save the budget for the finale? <laughs> I would have rather seen that budget go into the Rimuru and Hero fight. God, right. As opposed to the fucking minecart scene. Yeah. So yeah, the animation is kind of all over the place with this movie. I do like this movie. I do think, like, it's solid. It follows the formula of slime. And if you enjoy slime, which I very much do... This is just more slime. It's more of the things we're used to. It's more of the it, Deus Ex Machina. It's, it's more, more of the silliness. It's more of the slime that you've come to love. Yeah. It's it's not gonna be like spirited away, you know, Oscar nomination and winning yeah. movie. My only real issue with this movie is that it doesn't elevate the series in any way. It fits in as a nice little side story. It's it's the edamame before you get your drinks. It's fine. It's good. It's solid. I like it. It's it's more slime. And I'll never complain about more slime. It has good characters, good backgrounds, good animation for the most part. And yeah, I do encourage, if you are a fan of slime, you will probably enjoy this movie. As long as you're not going into it with the expectations of something like Jujutsu Kaisen Zero or One Piece Red or anything like that. Films that actually elevated from their series. Yeah. If, if you go into it just thinking this is an OVA, you'll probably like it a lot. If you're going into this thinking this is a movie, you might have bitten off a little too much than you could chew as far as expectations. I say solid 7.5 out of 10. Yep. It's more slime. <laughs> so, <laughs> seven and a half Rimuru's out of Tempest. Yeah. <laughs> seven and a half Rimuru's. Yep. I do say wait till it comes out to Crunchyroll. That's, that's, that's our new rating system on yeah. this, guys. <laughs> How many Rimuru's out of 10? Yep. Don't go spend $15 to go see this in the theaters. But do watch it as soon as it's available on Crunchyroll or whatever streaming site you use that it's available on. Yeah. So with that, I think that sums up our feelings. Yep, pretty much. Yep. Thanks for listening, you guys. Thank you. Uh, Diablo and Benny Moore are best boys. Uh, Zoe's best boy. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. <laughs>